Church exists to shine as light in our homes, in our community, and in our world. To contact us or for more information, see our website at wildwoodchurch.org. We are going to be continuing our series, actually wrapping up the short series that we began last Sunday called The Father's Will, Understanding Our Heavenly Inheritance. As we're looking at some lessons from the life of Abraham, the Old Testament figure Abraham, and, and how God has uh, made us heirs of the King of Kings, and He has given us all kinds of inheritance, all kinds of blessings that have been left to us, really, in, in, in His will for us to, to experience these blessings. God has given us these things. Uh, but what do we do in light of that? And last week we saw how in the life of Abraham we are to count our blessings and that we are to be a blessing. And today we're going to talk uh, more specifically from the life of Abraham about how we can wait for the blessings that God has offered to us in Christ uh, and the role that waiting plays in that. Uh, and we're going to see that from the book of Hebrews chapter 11. But before we turn and, and look at part two of this series, let me, uh, let me pray for us. Father, we uh, are thankful as we gather here today that you're present with us. We're thankful that your spirit is here. Your spirit is indwelling in the hearts of those who have trusted in your son for the forgiveness of sins. And uh, Father, your spirit is at work in the room and in this place on all of our lives as you illuminate the text of scripture for us. And so, Father, because of that, we have great confidence and great expectation as we come today that, that you will have something for us in this time. Father, I pray that you would protect me from saying something you wouldn't want said. But Father, if I do say something you wouldn't want said, I pray that it would just quickly be forgotten. But Father, anything that I share today that you would want us to hear, I pray that we would remember it, we would believe it, we would apply it in our lives in the power of your Spirit, walking forward in obedience, that we might be shaped more into the image of your Son. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this is the holiday season. Uh, this week kind of kicks all of that off. Uh, and and we, we kick off the holiday season with really celebrating two national holidays this week. Uh, the first holiday that we're celebrating is Thanksgiving, right? It's the time that we remember this point in the history of the United States when the pilgrims came over and remembered God's faithfulness, and we continue to remember God's faithfulness as a people and as a church you know, on and on. That's, that's the first holiday we celebrate this, this year. But you know, there's two national holidays this week. The second national holiday is actually Friday. Didn't you know if you realize this? It's Black Friday. Uh, it's, it's a national holiday. How many of you celebrate Black Friday? Um, he has a few brave souls raising your hands. I mean, Black Friday is that time in our, in our history where people will get up at 2 o'clock in the morning uh, and go and camp out at Walmart or Best Buy or wherever and kind of, you know, circle the big pods of whatever they want until uh, that magic moment happens and they cut the ribbon and you can go in and get the, the amazing deal of whatever it is. That is Black Friday. It's a second national holiday. When did this happen? I, I you know, I, I grew up in America, you know, I, I grew up in very close to these parts and, and I didn't ever realize there was such a thing as Black Friday until just a few years ago when all of my cousins had the Walmart circular out at the Thanksgiving table. But this is what happens, right? There, it's, a, it's a holiday, it's Black Friday. And, you know, if you celebrate Black Friday or if you're thinking about celebrating Black Friday, what are some of the items maybe that you're looking to acquire? 
Uh, well, you know, I, I'm not planning on being any place but in my bed at 2 a.m. on Friday morning. But if I were to go out, one of the things that I think I would probably want to look for is a Keurig coffee maker. You ever seen one of these guys? Pretty amazing stuff. Um, this coffee maker, you take this little thing called a K-cup, and it's got coffee in it and, and, and stuff, and you, you put it in the top, and you, you put it down, you, you fill this side with water, you put your cup underneath, you press the button, and in less than a minute, you have a fresh brewed cup of coffee. I mean, how amazing is that? Uh, and and what, what's, what's amazing about it is, you know, that, that it has found a way, the Keurig has found a way to eliminate that extra two minutes from our life where the normal pot of coffee would have to brew, right? Uh, we, we're, we don't want to wait for the two minutes for that cup of coffee to brew. So we, we, we go out and we, we shop Black Friday for a Keurig, and, and just a few seconds later, you have this wonderful cup of coffee um, as it finishes up. It would have been great if I had timed that even better, but, you know, there it is, right here, the Bassomatic 4000, here it is. Um, but you get this little, this little cup of coffee, and uh, that's good stuff. And, uh, you know, we, we, we shop for things like the Keurig because they eliminate our need to wait for things, even if it's just a few seconds. You know, one of the amazing things about the Keurig, and I, I mean this amazing in kind of a weird way, is that it's actually programmable meaning that you can tell it to make your cup of coffee so you don't even have to wait that 45 seconds. You know, if you need to program your Keurig, maybe coffee is not your primary problem, right? But, but um, the Keurig is designed to eliminate the weight from our life. Uh, we love things that eliminate weight. We don't like to wait. And, and so many of the technological devices that we surround ourselves with are designed to eliminate the weight. Now, because we've been programmed this way in our culture, uh, it really should come as no surprise to us that we don't want to wait in our spiritual life either. We don't want to wait. We want everything that God has ever said to happen immediately. We want to overnight products to us, and we want God to overnight his blessings to us because we don't want to have to wait for anything. And sometimes we can even twist it in our minds to say that if we really were doing everything right in our spiritual life, we wouldn't have to wait and God would give us everything up front because that's the way we like it. If we can come up with a coffee pot to make us coffee in 45 seconds and program it so we get it even before we think about it, if we can come up with that, surely the sovereign God of the universe can find a way to deliver us his blessings so that we don't have to wait. And you know what the reality is in the spiritual life? that there are many of the blessings that God has given us that we get to experience immediately. There are those. There are overnighted blessings that God has given us. Uh, When we talk about being forgiven at the point that we trust in Christ, we are absolutely forgiven of our sin at the moment that we trust in Jesus Christ. That, That is an overnighted express blessing that is sent to us. But when we talk about being truly free from sin, that's something that we got to wait for, isn't it? I mean, in our lives, even though we have been forgiven and even though we're given the power of the Holy Spirit to live out our Christian lives, we still live a life in which we sin. We still live a life in which we are tempted to sin. And we want that removed, but that's something that we've got to wait for, and we don't like that. You know, we, we think about things like, like sorrow, and God's given us these promises of the future that one day there'll be a, a time and a place where every 
tear will be dried and there will be no more tears and all those kind of things, and yet we live in a life where we, we cry a lot. We think, surely there must be some kind of a way for us to skip that. And yet, we spend our lives waiting for the time when sorrow ceases. See, waiting is a part of the Christian life. In the sovereign plan of God, He wants us to wait for His blessings. Many of them we get now, but some of them are not yet. And so we must learn how to wait. And when we talk about our heavenly inheritance, we talk about the blessings that God extends to us, the blessings that He sends our way. Many of those are overnighted, but there are some chief blessings that God has given us that we simply have to wait for. And so how do we wait well? You know, we're going to be looking today at the life of Abraham, and we're going to be looking at his life from the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, verses 13 to 16, in part two of our, of our message series here. And, and we're looking at Abraham's life, Abraham's life, because Abraham was someone that God blessed in a great way. We saw that last week. But many of the blessings that God extended to Abraham were things that he had to wait for. And so by looking at his life, we can gain some insight into how God wants us to wait for our heavenly inheritance. And so we're going to look at it today in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 13 to 16. If you've got a Bible, you might take it out and open to Hebrews chapter 11, verses 13 to 16. And as we look at Hebrews 11, 13 to 16 today, we're going to see just two things. Uh, from these verses that talk about us waiting. Now, the first thing we're going to see is that weight loss is not for the faithful. Weight loss is not for the faithful. Now, on the week of Thanksgiving, that is fantastic news for all of us who would, you know, want to be among the faithful, right? No, it's not that kind of weight loss. Um, but it's the idea that the issue of waiting for God is not something that you get to skip over if you have faith. But waiting is part of the life for someone who is faithful. Uh, weight loss is not for the faithful. Now, we, we see this uh, beginning in verse 13. Let's see what it says. It says, These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Now, now in those verses from 13 to the first part of 16, I said that we're going to see something uh, about waiting from the life of Abraham. Now, you know, any perceptive person looks up there and says, I don't see Abraham's name anywhere in the passage. So why do we think that these verses speak about Abraham? Well, we get that from the way the passage begins. It says, these all died in faith. These all died in faith. So the question we've got to ask ourselves is, who are the these all? Who is the all referring to? And the, the answer to that is that the all that is being referred to there is Abraham and his wife Sarah, maybe also including their son Isaac and his son Jacob. Uh, we see that from the context. In the first few verses of chapter 11, uh, in the hall of faith, this demonstration of these great Old Testament figures and the, the faith that they exhibited in God as an example for us today, uh, we get this extended section about Abraham, and verse 13 immediately follows that. 
Uh, in verse 17, he reinitiates his conversation about Abraham. You see, it's, it's simple to see that these verses from 13 to 16 are referring to Abraham and to Sarah. And it says that these all, Abraham and Sarah, died in faith. Now, what does it mean to say that they died in faith? Well, it means that at the time at which they died, they were living a life that was faithful to God, that was trusting in God. And and what what does it mean biblically to say that they were living a life of faith? Well, the book of Hebrews in chapter 11 a little earlier gives us a a definition for faith. Uh, Hebrews 11 and verse 1 says this, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. See, Abraham and Sarah were said to have died exhibiting a trust in God that was certain, and it was in certain in something that they had not already seen. Uh, literally, the word assurance that you see there, uh, in, in the original language, that word assurance is a word that is used often of the title deed to a property. You know, if you were to, to ask, you know, the leadership of Wildwood Community Church, do you own this tract of land, 1501 24th Avenue Northeast in, in Norman? We would say, well, yes, we do own this land. They would say, well, how do you know you own it? We would hold up the, the piece of paper that is filed with the county that says, we own this piece of land. There's a legal description and there's all these things. That piece of land says that we own this property. And that word assurance is a a very similar word. It's used of a title deed. It's saying, how do you know you know something when you've got it in your hand? And when saying that that Abraham and Sarah had faith, it meant that they felt like they had something as certain as a title deed. They didn't literally have a piece of paper signed by God, but they had his promises that they felt were just as secure as a title deed to the things that he was promising them. And even though Abraham and Sarah had not seen those things materialize yet, they believed that God would make good on his promise. Abraham and Sarah had an assurance, had the title deed to the fact that God would make good on his promises. But they never saw them actually realized. You see, God came to Abraham. This is something that we saw last week. God came to Abraham when he was 75 years old, and he said to Abraham, get up and leave this place and go to the land that I'll show you. I'm going to give you land. He says, and and I will bless you. I will give you children. And I will make your descendants as, as many as the stars in the sky. And I will make of you a great nation. Thoughts of maybe kingship and, and rule and some of those kinds of things. And yet, when Abraham got those promises when he was 75, you know how many of those things he had seen realized by the time he was 99 and a half? Zero. Abraham had been given promises from God, but for 24 and a half years, nothing materialized. He packed up, he left his land, he went to this new land, but you know what? He didn't own anything in that land. Not only did he not take possession of the whole land, he didn't even take possession of a house in that land. Abraham hadn't taken the land. Abraham was said that he was to have a child. Well, after 24 and a half years, Abraham and Sarah did conceive when she was 100 years old, 
and Isaac was born. And so we had the hint there. We had to wait 25 years for that. And then after that, God said, I'll make your descendants as many as the stars of the sky. And yet he had one son. So he never saw that fully realized either. He said, I'll make of you a great nation. And yet Abraham never sat on a throne. See, God made these promises to Abraham. God, it's like God handed Abraham a title deed and said, these are things that I will do for you. And yet for 25 years after those things were given to him, nothing seemed to happen. And over the course of his earthly life, he never took possession of any of those things. That's why in chapter 11, in verse 13, it says that he had seen, it says, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar. See, Abraham had been promised things. He'd been given the title deed, but he had not actually received any of them. But he still hung on to it with faith, believing that God would make good one day. And this never comes into more clarity for me than at this sad scene in the book of Genesis, chapter 24, I'm sorry, 23 in verse 4, when Abraham's wife Sarah died. Abraham's wife Sarah dies, and Abraham goes to a, a Hittite in the land of Canaan, and he says, I am a sojourner and a foreigner among you. Sound familiar? That's the same language in Hebrews eleven fourteen. I'm a sojourner and a foreigner among you. Give me property among you for a burying place that I may bury my dead out of my sight. After all these years, after the promises that God had given him, Abraham still believed even though at the death of his wife, he didn't even have a piece of land large enough to bury her in. See, Abraham is the picture of faith. Because he had grabbed onto the title deed of promises that he had not seen realized. See, the life of faith for Abram did not skip over this period of waiting. It was absolutely how Abraham demonstrated his faith. He trusted God even though he had not seen these things come to fruition. So the, the question that comes to us is, you know, how is it that Abraham could have a faith that was that solid? How could Abraham have a faith so solid as to trust in God, even though all he had was the promises of God in his hand, and he never saw many of those things ever realized, even within his earthly life? Well, we find out a few things about that from these verses here, in beginning in verse 14 of chapter 11 of Hebrews. It says, for people who speak thus, in other words, people like Abraham who trust God in this way, make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had the opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Now, now what, what's interesting about that is that really the, the imagery that that passage you know, calls forth is that Abraham continued to trust God to make good on these promises, and he didn't go back and try to live the life that he used to live, disappointed that God hadn't made good on his promises. When, when Sarah died, Abraham could have said, oh, I guess God's promises are just never going to happen. And so rather than burying her in a borrowed field, 
He could have loaded her up. Woodrow called to, to, to Gus McRae style and taken her back across country to the land of Terah, his father, and, and bury her there. But Abraham didn't do that. Abraham didn't do it because he said, you know, I, that's not who I am anymore. I'm still going to cling to the promise that, that, that the best days are ahead of me. The better country is ahead of me. I'm no longer Terah's son. I'm now a son of God, and I'm going to follow him wherever he takes me because eventually he will make good on his promise. And Abraham held on tight. He believed that the things that God had promised him were impossible to be realized apart from the working of the hand of God. Now, the, the question that comes to us then is, is, what about us? What about us? Because we are people that want to curig our spiritual life. We're people that want to skip over the weight. We want to jump all the way to enjoying the blessings of God. We don't want to have to wait for them in the meantime. And sometimes we think if we just have enough faith, we can get there. But the reality is that, that waiting is a part of God's plan for us. You know, the book of Hebrews chapter 11 was written for us. It was written for believers because God's greatest desire for us is that we have faith and that we trust him even when what we see with our eyes is not the full reality of the promises of God being fulfilled. He wants us to trust him like Abraham did, a trust that would say, even if I live out all of my days on this planet and don't see everything that God has promised realize, I believe that God can make good on those promises in the life to come. The kind of faith that Abraham had, and that's the kind of faith that God desires from us. And then the reality is we need to remember that because as, as we think about our lives today, uh, we're asked to wait. Now, I mentioned earlier about having to wait on the issue of, of sin. You know, in, in your life, sin has consequences, doesn't it? You know, maybe it is that there's a divorce somewhere in your family that was brought on by hard-hearted sin in some capacity, and just the, 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 the shock waves of that are, are frustrating and they're painful. You think, Lord, why did you allow sin to continue to persist in this world? Why have you not just removed sin? Why have you kept this as an op option for people? And we want that to be eliminated immediately, and yet God is asking us to wait. Maybe with sin, it might be a personal struggle. Maybe it's like, I, I just am so sick of struggling with this particular temptation, whatever it might be, and I just wish it would go away. God, why are you allowing this temptation to stay in my life? Why, why is it that you saved me, you gave your spirit within my life, but yet I still struggle with this temptation? And the reality is the answer is God wants us to wait. You think about, uh, not just that, you think about the issue of, of justice, you know, many times, you know, we, we all want justice. I think everybody in this room wants justice. Actually, we want justice for everybody other than ourselves, right? Um, but, but we want justice. We want justice to be, be leveled out. And we, we think, God, why is it that you're delaying justice in whatever the situation uh, might be? You know, I have a, a friend, one of Wildwood's missionaries, he's over, overseas uh, serving Christ. And because he refused to give uh, money to a mosque in the city where he lived, uh, somebody made a threat on his life this last week. Basically said, you know, hey, you know, because 
because you were refusing to give, then I, I just, you know, I'd, I'd watch your back when you're out on the street. But when I get that, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm moved and I'm like, God, why? Why are you allowing places to exist in this world that so violently and aggressively, you know, battle against your plan? And we, we, we call out to those things. You know, and, and maybe, it's, maybe it's sorrow. You know, in the last year, uh, maybe, you know, how much have you cried in 2010? Maybe you've cried for an afternoon. Maybe you've cried once. Maybe you cry daily. Maybe you cry hourly because of the events that you've gone through in the last year. And it, at some point during a year like that, don't you, do you ever just want to say, God, where is that time? When every tear is dried and, and all of these, these pains and the hurt and the illness and the whatever is just going to be done away with and we don't have to wrestle and struggle with it anymore. And, and ultimately the answer comes back that we need to wait on the Lord. And that's hard. It's hard for us to do. But like Abraham, we've been called to wait as people of faith. And, and how is it that we wait? What does it look like for us to wait on the Lord? Well, the first thing is we need to learn to, like Abraham did, grab the title deed of God's promises. When God promises things to us in His Word, we need to, to grab onto them and say, this is real, this is true. God, what, what is written in here will actually take place if not in this life, certainly in the life to come. And so I'm going to cling to your promises like I'm holding the title deed to a time and place that I have not yet occupied because God has promised us those things. We need to grab on to those promises. And then the second thing we need to do is remember that there is no other place that we can go for those promises to be realized. You know, Abraham, it said did not think about another country to return to, but he stayed in the land believing that God was going to make good on those promises. We need to do the same thing. We need to remember that the things that we long for the most, the, the, the freedom from sin, the drying of the tears, the delivery of justice, all of those things are not something that we can do, and they're something that no one else can deliver to us. Only God can. Only Christ can do those things that we long for the most. So how foolish would it be for us to suddenly decide that we were going to walk away from Him for the things that we desire most because there's no place else that we can go to get it. Like the explorers that came over to explore America and burned their ships in the harbor. We need to burn the ships in our mind that make us want to think that there is another place, another God, another thing it would satisfy us the way that God is. Because when we realize that it's only Him, He's the only one, and that keeps us in that place of waiting and trusting in Him. And that's where God wants us to be. And as we, we wait for Him, we believe, as it says, that there's a better country out there. We believe that God has something better for us. And that, again, He's the only one who can provide it Look at what it says over in the book of John, chapter 6, beginning in verse 67. Jesus has just said some difficult things, and some of his disciples uh, or some of his followers had left him. 
And so Jesus turns to his 12 disciples and he says to them, do you want to go away as well? And Simon Peter answered him with the understatement of the millennia, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. See, we have to come to a spot where we realize that there is nowhere else we can go. We realize that God is the one who is able to work on the areas that we need the most, and we stay right at his feet, waiting and trusting in him. You see, weight loss is not for the faithful. Waiting is a part of the spiritual life. But we need to keep going because the passage doesn't just end there. The passage tells us something else about waiting. The passage tells us that weight gains. And again, on Thanksgiving week, everybody gives a mighty amen. Weight gains. And what I mean by that is that as we wait on the Lord, the Lord gives us so much. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 40, talks about those that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. God gives to those who wait for Him. There's a lot of, of gaining that happens when we trust God, when we exhibit faith, by waiting for the things that we cannot see. And in this passage, in verse 16, we, we see two different things that God promises to gain, to, to credit, to give to those who wait for him. The first one in the second half of verse 16 says this, therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God. See, one of the things that you gain when you wait for the Lord, when you continue to trust in him, is that you gain God himself. You gain relationship and fellowship with him. We strengthen our relationship with the God of the universe when we wait for the things that we long for. Think about the the great figures of the Old Testament and how they had to wait. We already saw that Abraham waited 25 years before his son Isaac was born. He waited his lifetime, another 25 years, 50 years total, and never saw the throne ascended there. That was part of the wait. It was an opportunity for him to wait and to strengthen his relationship with God across that time. Moses, 40 years in Egypt. He kills an Egyptian. 40 years herding sheep, waiting on God. Then he gets the word, and he has 40 years of leading Israel in the wilderness. Waiting was a part of an opportunity for Moses to deepen his relationship with God. Think about David. David was just a young boy. When Samuel comes and says, you're going to be king. And yet David goes decades waiting for Saul to kick the bucket while he waited. And it was an opportunity for him to tend his father's sheep and to lead the armies of Israel and to gain a faith and a depth of relationship with God. See, waiting allows us to gain God. We gain relationship with Him while we wait. And, you know, I was thinking about that in relationship to to my life um, in 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 an experience that's happened for me recently. Um, You know, I've got a son, three and a half years old, and uh, when we would go places, and I would be driving, and Josh would be in his car seat in the back seat, um, when we would get in the car, I would always do what what I normally do. 
uh, which is get in the car and turn on 98.1 and, and listen to the sports animal. So, you know, I would get in the car and I would turn that on. As Joshua would make some noise, I would turn it up a little bit louder. Uh, and, 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 you know, this is not to my credit. This is to my shame. But, uh, you know, I would do that because, you know, I want to listen. And I'd get home and, and you know, it'd just be blaring Al Eshbeck and, and Jim Traber in the car. And my wife would get in the car next. And one time she goes, Mark, what in the world is happening when you're driving places with Josh? I mean, the volume is just out, off the charts. Are you really listening to it that loud? I'm like, yeah, I want to hear what they have to say. And, and Kimberly said something to me. She said, Mark, have you ever thought that maybe when you're driving, that's a time for you to spend some time talking to Josh? I was like, oh, okay. Uh, yes, I had thought of that. Uh, and I'd rationed that out. I thought, no, I hadn't thought of that at all. I was like, wow, I was thinking of this time waiting from destination A to destination B as time to kill. But in reality, it was time to spend with my son. So I started turning the volume down and not up. And what I found was it was great time for me to talk with Josh, or better yet, for Josh to talk to me. Um, my three and a half, I don't, you, some of you guys have kids that age. I don't know if your kids are like, like mine. He talks all the time. I mean, just, just steady commentary, just boom, 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 all the way across town. I'm just getting the steady commentary about everything about life and just listening and taking it all in. But you know what? That drive across town, those times of waiting are times that have allowed us to build some deeper relationship. Relationship time that I would miss if I thought that the wait was just something to endure. And you know what the reality is when we understand that, that God gives us weight so that we can gain relationship with him. He gives us time of waiting because he's like the father in the front seat driving the car, and we have time to talk to him while we're waiting to get to where we want to go. Think about the things that you, you wrestle with, the things you struggle with, the things you want to relate to God about, the justice that's not being delivered, the, 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 the sorrow that's not being comforted, the, the sin that you want to go away. You have chance to talk to God about that while you wait because he's in the car with you. Be taking advantage of your time waiting to pray. Just honest prayer. God, I don't understand. God, protect my friend. God, take this away. Please, come, Lord Jesus. What, you know, Times to pray, honest prayer, honest communication with the Lord. And times to listen from Him as we look into His Word and see what He has to say. That's times in the car growing in our relationship with Him. We gain God while we wait. But one of the other things that we, we gain while we wait is that we gain His promises being fulfilled. It says, God is not ashamed to be called their God, and then it goes on, for he has prepared for them a city. He has prepared for them a city. That's saying, you know what? God has not forgotten about his promises that we're waiting for. He's preparing them to be delivered. Not forgotten. He's just preparing for them to be delivered. You know, Abraham went 25 years, but eventually he had the son. Abraham lived his entire life without taking possession of even a piece of land large enough to bury his wife on in the land of Canaan. But you know what? The Bible says when Jesus returns to earth and he comes to that land of Canaan, his faithful followers will come with him as they rule the earth. And you know what? I believe that part of the reason for that is so that Abraham can have a mailing address of his own house and his own field and his own area right in the smack in the middle of Jerusalem. 
God is going to make good on his promises. He's preparing a city for them. God is, delivers on his promises, even if it's beyond the scope of our lives. Abraham never sat on a throne, but God made from him the mighty nation that would bless all the nations of the world through Israel, through Christ, to everyone. The king of kings came from his line. You see, God delivers on his promises. And, you know, we need to remember that because sometimes we forget that God is going to make good on his promises. And we look only at what we see and we get discouraged. I've got an illustration to maybe help us with this. You may have seen this when you came in today, but there's a brown string that's strung around uh, around around the building here. Stephanie Hopper, I think you're back there. You're, you're not going to like me asking you to do this, but would you stand up and, and grab? There's there's a string over there by the door. Um, and we'll just kind of pull this tight here. Um, but, you know, you, you look here, and, and there's, this, there's this string that goes, you know, from here to there. Um, now, just imagine, if you will, for a second, that, that this, this string, this brown string, um, I gave to our senior pastor, Bruce Hess. You can sit down, Stephanie. I'm, I'm sorry, I won't make you stand up the whole time. Uh, but imagine we gave this, this string to uh, our senior pastor, Bruce Hess, and he held it on the side of the airplane as he flew to Philadelphia to speak with Family Life Marriage Conference. And this is, it's unspooling, it's unspooling. It goes from here, this point, all the way to Philadelphia. Now, let me ask you the question. How much of the string can you see in relation to its total length sitting in this room? Hardly any of it, right, by comparison. Very small amount of string from here to the door. And and what if I told you that the string is brown here, but just on the other side of that door, it turns yellow, and it goes all the way to Philadelphia as a yellow string. Now, with the door closed and us in this room, we can't see it. But if I were to say that the string was yellow, the evidence would say, yeah, that string is mostly yellow, and that yellow is going to be there for a long, long time as you follow the string all the way east. And you know, we need to remember that perspective when we think about the promises of God. You see, we live in a box, and we see only a portion of the string, and sometimes when some of those promises aren't immediately realized, we think that they must not be coming true because they can't, they're not coming true in the piece of string that I can see. But the reality is that the promises of God are able to be delivered in eternity. And if we are going to live forever as believers in Christ, how much more life will we live experiencing the blessings of God than here waiting for them? Not even a comparison. That's why we can hang on to the title deed so tightly Because it ultimately defines our life like yellow defines the string if it goes all the way to Philadelphia. God has promised to bless us. Our heavenly inheritance that the Father has willed to us, we get to enjoy. Some of the pieces of that require us to wait in faith. But as we do, we wait with great hope as we deepen our relationship with God. Let me pray for us. Father, I just uh, want to thank you for today, and I thank you for the two weeks that you've given us to look at uh, this truth from the life of Abraham. Father, you have uh, blessed us with examples like this one so that we know that you can make good on your promises even beyond our physical lives. So, Father, I pray that we would be a people that would trust you for the things that we cannot see and that we would live life expectantly holding on to your promises. Father, as we deepen in our walk with you day by day by day, I thank you for the people who are here. 
today, Father, and I pray that you would help us to trust you more. We pray these things in Jesus' mighty name.